Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Vavil Women's Football Podcast. I am Adam Millington and I'm joined by Aaron Hindhoff and Ant Stonelake. Now, this is the first episode of our podcast. We are missing Connor, who is the Deputy Women's Football Editor for the site, but he's not able to be in today's podcast. So we've got Ant as a guest today, who was at the Conti Cup covering the final for the site. Uh, welcome, Ant. Yeah, the the cup final was great. It was a great occasion. Nice to see a record number of fans there. Yeah, and uh, we got Aaron, who's another writer for the site, going to be hosting the podcast. And you do your editor at Newcastle United, and now the new Premier League editor for the site. So, congrats on that. Yeah, it's been good. Just getting started. All right. So, should we get on to the first thing? It was the Conti Cup final at the weekend, which was probably the main talking point that we can get from it and uh what did you think of the game and did Chelsea deserve it, to win it well it depends on the way you look at a game of football if you want to talk about which team played better at in individual moments then it's Chelsea but Arsenal dominated that game Arsenal should have scored four or five they had so many opportunities to do it it, they, the the only goal that they did get was Leah Williamson, who managed to find herself in some space in the box. But Anne Katrenberger kept Chelsea in, in, in the game throughout, making spectacular save after spectacular save. But when you come down to the nitty-gritty about football, it is down to individual moments. And the moments belong to Chelsea. And that is why they won the game. Yeah, it was a, a good win for Chelsea. I didn't actually manage to catch all the game because it clashed with... Uh... A men's match, but I, I saw a little bit. Beth England's goal was good, the first one, and then yeah, it looked a good occasion through the entire thing. Now the Conti Cup has been a bit of a what? I think there was an article today by Sophie Lawson who put it out. I think the opening to it sums it up perfectly. It's a Marmite tournament. Even Emma Hayes, who was very happy after winning it on Sunday, has criticised it a lot throughout the season, and rightly so in my opinion anyway. It's a good competition for players who feel like it's a chance to win silverware, but apart from that, the way it's set up, I think, completely needs an overhaul. The fact that it's not straight knockouts is doesn't make a lot of sense. You've got the group stages, which most of the games are played midweek with a couple at the weekends, and it just doesn't lend any favours at all to the championship sides who play their games midweek and then they've been working in the morning and will be working the next morning, it really doesn't help. And that's why you see like the Arsenal massive score lines, and there are always massive score lines, even Liverpool, who struggled for goals this year, uh, if you're okay for me to say that, and they had a pretty big <laughs> score line in the Conti Cup group stages. So that's one thing that I feel needs changing. And it is regarded in kind of a lower thing definitely than the FA Cup you can even see that by the final but it looked a much better occasion at Nottingham than it was the year before with Manchester City at Sheffield United and in the past how would you feel about it going to a straight knockout I think that's pretty much the only way that it can go the group stage makes no sense for everybody involved and the fact that there is still a group stage is the reason that Chelsea are only the third different side to win the competition because teams like Arsenal and Manchester City, they get the chance to 
flex their muscles sort of over the space of four or five games. Whereas in a straight knockout tournament, the the, the smaller teams like like Lewis, who have given good games to Arsenal and Chelsea in the two different cup competitions this season, they could win one of those games. And then the story then becomes so much bigger than just a draw in the group stage. Like when Brighton drew against Arsenal, that should have been massive. They held Arsenal to, to not scoring for the first time in something like eight, nine months for the team. Yeah, I just think it's very weird to have a group stage in a domestic cup competition. It just doesn't really seem right. Uh, and then especially when teams are having to play twice a week, midweek, when a lot of teams are part-time, it just doesn't really... It just doesn't seem like there's a point. It just reminds a bit of like uh, the Carabao Cup. Like Teams aren't really... They don't really like it. It's just something you can win. Yeah, it is a bit like that in a sense, and especially early on in the season, you get to the point in like October time, and I, I was watching like all the Manchester City games at it at the at the ground, and it's like you've got WSL, and then it's ages until you're next playing in a league game, and it stretches out the league for so long. Mm-hmm. When there are so many group stage matches that have been played, where you get such a better competition if it was straight knockout. The group stages just wreck it for me and i think that's what wrecks it for a lot because they have massive groups and then it goes into a knockout anyway so it ends up being like a, a mini league in itself where there's no chance that any team will ever do anything except from the top three like in the wsl whereas in the women's fa cup last year you got west ham with their great run to the final through beating lots of different teams and then reading in the semi to get in. It would be so much better if the Conti Cup was a bit more aligned like that and it isn't just Arsenal, Manchester City and sometimes Chelsea who win it. I think the people who come up with the format for the Conti Cup see it as a thing of, oh, more games equals more exposure, but that's just not going to be the case. There's a, there's a few things that you have to think about is the Champions League is introducing a group stage, which means that teams like Arsenal, City and Chelsea will have to worry about three different league tables at one time. And then teams like Durham, who are a university team, but they travelled eight hours on a Wednesday afternoon to come and play Liverpool and then lost 3-1 and had to travel eight hours back to the northwest and the northeast even. Especially with the Champions League bringing group stages, it's definitely going to be the last thought in many managers' minds, the group stages in the Conti Cup. Because it's just... You'd rather go further on the Champions League and then focus on the WSL. It definitely needs reworking, I think. Yeah, it is becoming a bit of an afterthought. You know, like, when you're watching games there and you're seeing uh, Karima Benimior and when Matilde Fidalgo is getting a game playing for Manchester City, then you know how much lower they're ranking it in terms of everything. So, it definitely needs an overhaul. But... Mm -hmm. It's not the only competition we got coming up. Well, no, that competition's over. It's not coming up. Uh, we have the She Believes starting on Thursday. I'm just trying to get this right because the time zones are messing with it. I think it's... Yeah, it's like Thursday yeah. going into Friday morning. Yeah, it's yeah, Japan versus Thursday Spain night. going into Friday. Yeah. And then England versus the US, which will make it really hard to cover because mm. I don't think anyone will want to stay up to that time but uh the lionesses team came out a couple of weeks ago i think it was now it it feels like it only just came out but it was a while ago uh 
what do you think of the team? Who do you think shouldn't have been in there? Are there any good additions who deserve to make it? Oh, I, I was quite happy with it because uh, with the amount of young players that he called up was really surprising but good. Obviously, you got Lucy Bronzer had to be pulled out through injury. You can't really help that. But I think we've got quite a lot of good fullbacks in the squad at the minute. And then going forward, you got some of our strikers and wingers are playing like the best football they've played in their careers. Yeah, I've I... just oh, you go. Oh, I was just I was just going to say that I think that there's only one big glaring omission, and that's Gemma Bonner. She's been phenomenal for City this season, and I. I really don't understand how she keeps getting overlooked by Phil. Yeah, I don't know how Bonner isn't getting into the team. She's been such a good defender. And when you look at the team breakdown, you've got like four midfielders and that many defenders. It's Even the likes of Grace Fisk has been brilliant this year for West Ham since she came back from University of South Carolina. But mm-hmm. comparing her to Gemma Bonner, who's probably the better one to take on with you now I know it's going to be pretty unlikely to see anything except from Steph Orton and Millie Bright or maybe a Steph Orton and Leah Williamson at the back mm-hmm. but I don't have the figures but Gemma Bonham must have not had that many Lionesses appearances throughout a career she, had, she has 11 caps for England yeah 11 England caps when she's consistently performed at the top level it's just she deserves to be in there and I feel like she's getting to the point in her career now where she isn't at the end of her career, but players like Grace Fisk will get the nod ahead of her because they're younger and there are others coming through and you look when you get all the media releases sent through all the time and then you've got your under-21 squads, your under-19, how many good players there are. And I did an interview with Anna Patton, who is one who could be coming through. A couple of months ago and for that I look back at the under 20 World Cup in 2018 looking mm. at the players in that squad and how many of them are now like the senior lionesses just looking down the list here I can see Grace Fisk who was captain Lauren Hemp, Chloe Kelly Sandy McIver, uh Ellie Roebuck, Georgia Stanway it must be hard for anyone to get through now it is also Kelly's second call up. How do you feel yeah. about Chloe Kelly? She's been amazing with Everton this season. She deserved it, didn't she? I, I really like her. I, I think she was like one of the best natural finishers in the league. Like that instinct just to like sniff out a chance or she knows when to go press a defender to create herself a opportunity. It's like she doesn't really, she obviously relies on her teammates, but she can do a lot of work on her own, which I think is like a really good skill to have as a striker. Yeah, Everton have made so many good signings this year. Do you think there's any chance that Chloe Kelly might be on the move come uh, the summer? Because she's been amazing this year at a farm. Well, of us caught the eye of you. Big three and the likes. But Everton are making some real changes. Do you think they have a chance of kind of getting into that top that higher end of the league where they've had quite a lot of money put in they've got the new stadium which i haven't been able to go to yet but from the looks of it it looks good and there's lots of investment there do you think kelly might leave because bramer's 
left Man City, that opens up another spot to go to probably what is the biggest defensive lineup that uh, Bremer's left, and of course that opens up another spot to go to what is probably one of the biggest attacking lineups in the league. Do you think Kelly might be on the move? I highly, highly doubt that Chloe Kelly will leave this summer. I, if if she does decide to go, I believe it'll be the summer after. But I think that Willie Kirk is doing such an amazing job at Everton and he's got all of the players bought into this project that he's building. It, it, it makes me think that if there's going to be any team that breaks into that top three and makes it a top four, it'll be Everton. No matter how good a thing Manchester United are doing, I think Everton are doing smarter things. Bringing in Izzy Christiansen was a fantastic piece of business. I know she hasn't featured yet, but she w- she will eventually, and she will be as class as she has shown in the past. Hayley Raso, even though her contract's only six months, I can see that getting extended beyond that, and it probably just allows her to go back and play in the US during the summer. Uh, and Willie Kirk said, um, after I-, I saw them play against City, um, he said that it takes managers three transfer windows to m- make a team their team, and this summer will be his third proper transfer window, so I... I'm so excited for what he's going to bring. Yeah, one team on Merseyside hasn't received the funding. You can see that they've had the new Kirby development, and uh, Siri keeps saying it's like, no, go away. Right. Uh, one team on Merseyside hasn't received the funding. You can see with the new development at Kirby, it costs so much. I think off the top of my head, it's about £50 million, and there's nothing there for the women's team. Whereas they've just Everton built Walton Hall Park, Everton are moving to the docks on the men's side. Just in terms of an overall football club, it's looking on the up. But for the women's side, the Champions League spaces are uh, extending to three anyway. They could easily be one who are pushing for that. And if other teams don't compete to the same extent, the team that they've got is so good now. Even... Looking back at Lionesses squad, the likes of your Sandy McKeever who've just come over from the US to get their first bit of experience. She could stay there for years and years as a great goalkeeper. And I think Everton are probably the side to watch for the dark horses for anything this year. Yeah, I do, I do still think it'll be hard to break into the top three, but if it is going to be anyone, it uh, I think it will be them. They've just got a really good core group of players I think or keep them fit for like not getting long term injuries for a year or so but it could definitely cause some uh, problems against the big sides Right so we've talked about the Lionesses side for the She Believes and veered off into speaking about just how good Everton are who do you think will win in the She Believes and why Uh, Ant do you want to start I'm going to pick the outsiders and I'm going to go with Japan because Japan have been building up to this summer's Olympics for the longest time. Everything that has gone into the focus for this Olympics tournament so they can go and do well at at the Olympics in Tokyo. And I think that they're going to surprise everyone and show everybody what they're about at the She Believes. I think they'll draw against the US and beat both Spain and England. That's out there. Personally, myself, I England have been good 
since the World Cup, but they've not been anywhere near good enough. Only wins against Portugal and the Czech Republic where they scraped through. The She Believes may be an opportunity, but the US are doing so well. I feel like they could do well. Spain are outside of dark horses completely, but the Liga Iberdola, I can't pronounce Spanish names, I think that's what it is. Their league is doing so well, and you see the likes of Tony Duggan deciding to stay there instead of going to the WSL. They're getting the fans attending. And Spain actually did okay at the World Cup, even if they did get knocked out. I've got a feeling that Spain, in my prediction, which is probably going to be coming up soon on the website, I'd actually put Spain as third and Japan as fourth. So, with the US winning and England second, so that's a, a weird one from you, uh, Ant. But Aaron, what's yours? I've already seen your article that came up today. So. Yeah, I did mine uh, earlier today, and I, I think England are going to win it again, just because I know they've been playing uh, pretty bad. It's probably an understatement in most games since the World Cup. But I just think, as individuals, some of the players in that team are just playing out their skin at the minute, and they look like they can just keep getting better. And I think they've got a lot of young players coming up. They'll be looking to prove a point to force their way into the team. I know... Neville said he's not using this as a way to look at people for the Olympics, but I, I think he just has to really. Like, it, it's just no way you can't judge people off it. Uh, I just felt the, it's like the way the US had the grip between their teeth to get revenge against England in the World Cup for the She Believes. It's like it'd be the other way around. England will want to uh, wreck the party like they did last summer. And I feel like going forward, England is just so dangerous at the minute. Just the one thing that puts me off is if Neville goes a bit too, like he restricts the players, especially the like attacking fullbacks that we've got. If he holds them back, then it might be a different story. But if he lets people like Alex Greenwood go forward and get some crosses in, which is unbelievable at doing, it could be a completely different story. Yeah, uh, you talked about Alex Greenwood, and I've got to try and find a way to segue this to my next talking point. She moved to Lyon, as well did Nikita Paris. Now, first of all, I haven't seen a lot of them too because I don't follow the French League. I should probably follow more international leagues, but following all the men's international leagues plus League 2 plus WSL gets quite on top of you. Uh, Lyon have been so dominant right now. Hegerberg is out injured. Paulina Bremer has made the move from Manchester City to Wolfsburg or will be doing in the summer. First of all, what do you think about that? I know my knowledge of German geography, I think, is okay. And uh, I know that Wolfsburg is Lower Saxony, which is the sort of area where Bremer's from. So that would make sense if you're a player who may be a little bit more prone to injuries. It must be mm -hmm. hard being on a two-year contract in Manchester, away from all your family and getting a horrible injury like she did in one of your first games it would make more sense to go there first of all what do and maybe what do you think of Bremer's move would it be a big miss for City I think it'll be a huge miss for them um I'm gonna carry on with the sort of the controversial opinions kind of thing I, I'm I'm I think she's a better striker than Ellen White and I think City are gonna really really miss 
I, I, re I think City are really, really going to miss what she brings to the side. She is one of the most lethal finishers that I've ever seen on a football pitch. And she's going to do amazing things at Wolfsburg and then she'll be at home there and she's just going to go from strength to strength again and probably even drive them to a Champions League title next season. Yeah. For me, as someone who's watched City in pretty much every game this year, I already wrote about it earlier on that Bremen deserves more game time. And the problem is that there are so many good attackers at Manchester City. You've got your Stanways, uh, Hemp, Ellen White, Tessa Wuller, and Paulina Bremer. Managers find it hard to fit them all into a side, but in October and September when White was injured, Bremer was absolutely immense, and she was immense when she came back. For some reason, she's now spending most of the time on the bench in Alan Mann's side, and I think Bremer is the best striker at Manchester City, in my own opinion, as well. It's going to be a real shame for her to leave, but going to Wolfsburg, that could be a big new striker option for Wolfsburg. Chelsea, Man City, the two top teams, Arsenal have dropped off. There's no chance, in my opinion, that Arsenal are going to get anywhere near the WSL title this year. Possibly a Champions League if City mess it up. I personally think Chelsea will go on to win the WSL. And do you agree with me? Or do you think City could do something? I think that it's a foregone conclusion that Chelsea will win the league. And I think they'll finish it unbeaten. I, I think they're going to finish the entire season unbeaten in all competitions. And they'll win the FA Cup as well. Just because I think this Chelsea side is that good. And it has... The, the, you can see it every single time they play a game of football. Even when they drew 3-3 against Manchester City. They, they've got the most individual quality in every single position out of any side in, in the league. And they, 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 they are quite clearly the best. All you have to do is watch one of their games and then you fully understand why they, why they are favourites to win the league. Yeah, they're absolutely immense. Chelsea, when you watch them, you've got Guru Wright and Sam Kerr and Beth England going forward where... They are just unstoppable. Then they've got an amazing defensive back line. You've got Anne Katrinberger, who is unstoppable, except from when she lets a, a couple of in, but she's amazing. And then a brilliant midfield to go around it with Frank Kirby still there to come in. I, I can't see a way they can't win it. The whole entire season unbeaten would be incredible. Unbeaten with a treble is a pretty good thing if they could do it. Uh, the only way that they'll slip up is if they get an, an FA Cup draw there. I, I get what you say about the WSL though. In their fixtures that they have left, there is no one I think who could beat them. Manchester United, if they get lucky, could probably put up a draw if they play well and are perfect. But this Chelsea side must be one of the greatest sides that there has been. On their day, they could beat any team in the world. They could. If they were in the Champions League this year, they'd probably be well the favourites to win it. And it's just a shame that because of last year's finish, they aren't in the Champions League. I think Chelsea have to be up there. And next season in the Champions League, they're going to be so good. We went through... Well, Man City, I don't think they're going to get to that WSL title for a while. It just seems to be how they are. They won it 2016 when they won the treble. But since then, 
City just seem to get close and never make it. Arsenal had such a good season last year, but this is another quick talking point because you're at the final, you can kind of talk about it. Joe Montemoro is very strong with his tactics, and I don't think there is any chance he'll ever change that. He said it. But yeah. the small squad size, do you think they'll have to have a look at that in the summer because it's killed them this year, hasn't it, the amount of injuries? Oh, yeah, it definitely has. They, they've they've had so many issues with losing key players for some games and then not having somebody in the right position to come and fill in. Like, Caitlin Ford had a fantastic game against Chelsea. She was Arsenal's best player. But she was forced out onto the right-hand side because they had no one else. Yeah, I think Arsenal, they need to spend a lot <coughs> to get there. Aaron, do you feel similar? Chelsea going to win it or last minute? Oh, yeah. Nah, I just think teams are just like scared to play Chelsea now. Like you just don't seem like they're gonna concede goals or many. And then you just know you feel like they're gonna score at least two or three every game. But I just I can't see it being anything apart from Chelsea doing the treble this year. Yeah, I think if that's one way to sum up this season, it's just Chelsea. They're incredible. If we have enough time, a quick little thing between each of us, relegation battle, who do you think is going to go down? I'm going to say Liverpool, and will you say it, or will the fact that you're a fan put you off and make you say someone else? No, Liverpool are going to get relegated, and to be honest, it's probably the best thing that could happen to the club. Yeah, Aaron, who do you think going down Liverpool as well? Yeah. Yeah, Liverpool as well. Just can't see where they're going to get any points from at all. They're they're such a weird side, Liverpool, because they're not that bad when they play, but they Mm -hmm. can't score goals at all in any matches against any sides. And they turn up against the big sides, but then they play the ones who are lower down in the league and just flat-out struggle and have no chance. And I get what you mean, Aaron. Aaron and... This is what happens when you have three people with an A name in the same recording. It's the best thing that can happen to Liverpool because when you have a men's side who are going on to become one of the greatest sides of all time, and if they hadn't had the Watford loss, could have even done the Invincibles again. Uh, It will look so bad for the club to see then that their lack of funding, their own problems have made them go from a side who were back-to-back WSL champions to a second division side, and it's hard to get up from that second division, especially when you've got your Sheffield United, your Durham's, and they'll have to spend big when you're not really getting money back for it. It's the best thing that could happen to them. You're completely right. I think you're... Do you feel the same? Um... There, there, there are so many different problems that are at that club. Uh, I think most of it stems from the kind of mentality that they have. You said about them going up against the big teams and being able to turn up against your Arsenal's, your Manchester City's, but it's because I, I think in in the heads the players think they're a big side, and and they go and play, they go and play against Arsenal and City, and they're like yeah, this is our level. But then as soon as they play against a, your Birmingham, your Brighton, they just completely capitulate and be like, oh, actually, we're not that good. I understand what you mean. They kind of, you have this Liverpool name in Brinson your head as one of the footballing greats, and you don't regard it at the same level as Bristol City. 
compared to it. Bristol, just worldwide, they will never out be at the same stature for anything football related to Liverpool. But when you get into women's football, that is how they are. They're kind of treating it. I understand what you mean, where it's we're bigger than this. They turn up against the big sides, but they can't do against the small ones, and that's going to be their Achilles heel that sends them down. And it'll be sad to see Liverpool leave. But it's a culmination of everything. The team, all the off-the-pitch, lack of funding. Hopefully, it's a thing that can bounce them back up. And it looks like we'll have Villa joining next year, so that's another footballing great in the name of football. That's coming up. And a team who are the complete opposite to Liverpool as to how they're being funded and how they're coming through. Villa have put so much effort into getting that women's side into one that's in the WSL that they will be a great one to see next year. I was talking, I was interviewing uh, Alice Hassel from Villa the other day uh, because Boa Inji and she was saying just the way the club have looked after her and offered her like all this medical support and everything. It's just, it's almost like she's part of the men's team, like how much focus and money they're putting on the women's team at the minute and it's like really refreshing to see. Yeah, well, I think we're somewhere around the half hour mark now. I'm not sure exactly where we are. That's probably a good place to end it. Now, we will be back with another episode of the podcast next week, hopefully with Connor here. Uh, The podcast, I'm not sure where you're listening to this. Hopefully, it will have been accepted onto Spotify and Apple Podcasts in times. If not, then it will be on Acast, and you can look at it on there. It's just Woso Vavil as it is for all our social medias on Acast. You can find it there and get what you want. Listen to our things. It has taken so long (laughs) to get this to be a thing. I think I first floated the idea around in the group chat in about October of last year. We were like so close to doing it and then we said no. And got to a point where everyone was like doing different things and never really got to timing it at the right time but we've got it now thank you for listening to the first episode if you've made it all the way to here and uh we'll see you in the next one goodbye